and foes, welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott, and today is Art Book Club. Visual Nomad and I are back at it this month, reading Alla Prima 2, and we recorded this podcast live on Twitch. Art Book Club is recorded live on twitch.tv slash cheers, Steph. If you want to come listen to the podcast, chat with us during the recording, and just hang out while we talk about art books, you should come come join us on Twitch. It's super fun. I'll have a link of that in the description. And without further ado, here's Art Book Club. Welcome to Art What's Book up, Club. Guys? We're talking shop already, because that's all we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe you should do this a coffee shop life. show. Maybe you should uh, do some prints on canvas, like wrapped canvas, and stick them up somewhere. Do some gold I've embellishments. About that thought about that could be fun could be good yeah. i i think the key is you put up all your prints that are like under a hundred dollars my, my like best mm-hmm. idea is to have a print for the price of like a nice dinner out so like 70 mm-hmm. bucks you know <laughs> like right 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 and then and then you put one painting that's like a thousand dollars next to it and they're just like wow what a great deal for this piece of art and you're like sure <laughs> is <laughs> yep yeah mm-hmm. and i think like in the coffee shop setting, I think it's easier for somebody that's like walking through. A lot of times they'll look and see, oh, do they have, you know, coffee mugs that are, mm-hmm. you know, personalized or whatever for the company? Yeah. Uh, looking for coffee, that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, this is something easy that I can pick up. Doesn't take up a bunch of space, yeah. you know, and it it's fairly easy to just transport it. And I think that's what they're kind of looking for. It's an easy pickup. And easy to impulse buy. Exactly. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. All right. Yeah, it's it's the truth. It's the truth. It's interesting. I I feel like this is going to be a big year of marketing learning for me, <laughs> which Gosh, yeah. it's just like, I can just feel it. It's already happening. I'm like, I can't wait to install this into my brain and just know it and then have to think <laughs> about it less. <laughs> we'll see. I hear that. <laughs> uh... mm-hmm. uh, but hey, everyone. Friends and foes, welcome to Art Book Club. We're here. I'm Stephanie. This is Jen, Visual Nomad. And um, hello, hello. We read a textbook <laughs> of a book this last two months, or in my mm-hmm. case, in the last three days. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this book is this book is Alla Prima Two, and it is it is a monster of a book. It's hefty. Mm-hmm. I could like do my workout routine with this book, and just like you know, like some bicep curls with this book. <laughs> and that's the paperback version that's not even the hardback version of this book i I didn't even know there was a hardback version of this book till i recently looked this up and i was like wow that is like an extra 10 pounds it's a lot (laughs) um yeah 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 yeah. do you what kind of copy of this book do you have uh i just have an ebook nice nice um yeah this book is ala prima 2 by richard schmidt um he mm-hmm. passed away last year rest in peace because this guy knew mm-hmm. what he was doing with painting my gosh there was so much there's mm-hmm. so much in this book and the title everything i know about painting and more is accurate <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's just it's it's a lot so we read this book um we theoretically took two months to to read it i i bought this book in 2016 when uh classmate of mine recommended it and then I haven't picked it up till this year so I love having a book that I can take off my to be read shelf that's this big because now I can buy lots of other little books um (laughs) (laughs) it's great it's great um when did you first read this because I remember you saying that you've read it before um I read this uh around what have been March, April, last oh, year. Recent. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you hear about it? Like, um, My mentor told me that I should pick it up. Nice. We're in the middle of a conversation and we were talking about um, Richard had just, I think, passed away at that point. Yeah. And um, he was just, you know, mentioning Richard. He asked if I knew who he was. And honestly, at that point, I had never heard of Richard Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, but I had not. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you, 
this is this is a must read. You have got to get this book. So um, yeah, I, I went out and got it. Richard Smith is a is a painter's painter. Like I feel like he was really under the radar for impopularity for like, um, I guess, general public, because I didn't know much about him until I read this. Like I knew of him vaguely, like one or two times. But if I had like seen his paintings, I'd be like, that's a cool painting by someone I have no idea about, mm-hmm. even though he's been, he was a, a professional artist for 70 years. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I Anyways, this book, we read it. And the people he's like connected with too. Um, Jeremy Lipking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's who is one of his more notable students. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeremy's been very outspoken about, you know, learning from Richard, which is great. But like some of, I think that it's a lack of a better word, a testament to his ability and skill see the the kind of artists that come through his his atelier it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing to see the people that have worked with him he talks about jeremy in the book once um he he Mm -hmm. like talks tells a story about when they were out painting together and it's very cute and sentimental and i was like oh that's that's really sweet um if you don't know who jeremy lifting is uh he's like an exceptional just oil painter, just, just really, really good. His portraits like stun me every time I see one. I would highly recommend looking him up and um, just perusing the wide variety of his works. They're very, very beautiful and slightly Western in, in theme, usually. <laughs> I, I like them. Um, gosh, where, where should we start with this? There's just, there's a lot of book here. There's 315 pages of physical pages, and I don't know how many ebook pages, but actually, I do know where I want to start. Where I want to start is this format of a paperback is the worst. <laughs> oh, the like landscape format. Okay. Yeah, I hate this. So like, nope, that's a, that's a good example. I want a bad example. Okay, so we have like just a wall of text that's like really hard to read because it's so wide and like then it's like oh, nice photos. Yeah. But like I get lost reading the sentences. Like I'll start on one side and yeah. then I just go over and then I'm like, do I skip? Do I, where, where am I? I'm lost. <laughs> I had... I had to read this book with a highlighter because I couldn't keep track of what I was reading. I was like, like sure. finger on the page. Like that was bad. But that was, I think my only bad thing about this book that I felt was the format. <laughs> I just Yeah. I mean, it, it really, like you said, it, it is a, um, a textbook it's really, a textbook. honestly, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to it, cause I, he does, he breaks it down into, you know, how to mix you know uh he's got you know values drawing from life edges color and light Mm -hmm. palette and vital charts color harmonies composition yeah Uh, he goes through the whole he breaks down the whole process from the very beginning of how to lay out a painting to you know when do you jump into actually starting to do finish work on a painting because um, that's always a question that we ask ourselves whenever yeah. we're painting something like, mm, especially in something like Ala Prima, which is, you know, basically you paint on the fly. A lot of it is landscapes, outdoor stuff or mm-hmm. models, humans that are moving and, and it's, it's quick captures and it's like, okay, what are the basics that you need to grab in order to be able to go back to studio to flesh that out? Where is that point at, you know? Where mm-hmm. you can jump off and say, okay, I've got what I need. Let's move on, you know? This book is so um, granular. Sometimes I wish the technical books that we read for Art Book Club to get more in-depth and detail. But this one is like, do you want to know about value? I'm going to tell you every possible thing you might need to know about yeah. value. And also things you didn't think to ask because you're a beginner. And like, mm-hmm. it's so good. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. I loved the introduction to this book. Um, the first sentence of the book is fantastic. It's like, this is book, this book is about, um, this book is mostly about how I paint. And you're like, yeah, sure is. Like, <laughs> if you want to paint like Richard Smith, you read this book and you will paint like him because he tells you every single thing about his, his painting method, yeah. his mistakes he's made, his, his like rules that aren't rules. It's, it's very savvy. It's very, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I think that the the beauty of it is his practicality, like you said. Super practical. You know, he's not this like stuffy, uptight, elitist painter. She could have been if he wanted to be. Easily, I mean, right? Very easily. But he's just like he's just a good down to earth human being that's just like I, I know this seems like some ethereal thing, but it really isn't. It really isn't. It's okay. <laughs> Creativity is a skill. <laughs> and I'm going to teach it to you. I feel yes. like a good alternate title to this book, though, would be I Love My Wife Nancy. Because he talks yes. about her yes. so often. <laughs> They're so great. They really are. <laughs> so cute. She's on the cover here. And this is this book is like every other page is like, and my, my, my wife, Nancy, did this and blah, blah, blah. And also she did this and blah, blah, blah. And isn't her paintings really cool and how she did this and blah, blah, blah. And I love Nancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, because I mean, they really, they really were not only like they were married, but they were like, legitimate business partners mm-hmm. together. Like they did a lot of workshops where at the end, him and Nancy would sit down and they would do, I think, they were like 10 minute portraits or something that they would do. And then yeah. they would sign them at the end. Um, and you, uh, you paid for it. It was like, I don't know, $300 or something for him to do a 10 minute portrait or something like that. But like he would get tired. She would take over. They would just kind of go back and forth, you know, and, and they just, they worked really, really well together from what it sounds like. It's very romantic. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, Personally, I would never date an artist, but if I were to date an artist, that would be like the caliber. <laughs> I love that you said that. I, I would, I would be an artist, but I would never date. I would one. never like, date really? an artist. <laughs> really? Ooh, David. Ooh. Yep. Yep. No, thank you. It's too much nonsense. I have enough nonsense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, so good. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, so while I was reading this book, I went through it with two highlighters. I have one highlighter that was for good, like, emotional advice when it comes to painting. And then I had another highlighter that was green that was about good technical advice about painting that wasn't otherwise highlighted or bolded or in all caps sometimes mm-hmm. in this book, which is really comical to me. And I I wanted to read some read some of these to you because they're just, they're so good. So is in very chapter one, which I feel like I did the most highlighting in chapter one because it was such like great, like juicy, like let's go, let's get into painting advice. (sighs) What could be more wonderful than the life of a painter? What a great way to start the chapter. I feel like every chapter he writes, like the first (laughs) sentence is just like, you nailed it. That's good. That's good. I'm like, did did Nancy write the sentence? Did someone else write the sentence? Because sometimes it doesn't match the rest (laughs) of it, but it's good. All we really need is a continual passion for what we are doing and a reasonable amount of evidence along the way that we are accomplishing something worthwhile. I love that quote. That's so good. Whenever you feel a doubt, you should read this book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have a warm respect for your art and cherish and a cherished your affection for it. Like that's cute too. Everything is good. It's like, (sighs) if you get (laughs) things precisely right every time, making art would be no fun. What a great sentence. I, I just feel like if you're ever like, I need, I need to pick me up, but I need it to not be like nonsense. I, I need it for someone who's like a real painter, you know, <laughs> this is a good book to pick up, even though it's a thousand pounds. Um, but my favorite advice from this book is about taking advice. And in this hmm. page 11, it talks about how, you know, you're going to, make mistakes and you're going to learn from lots of teachers and things like that. But, but most importantly, don't take advice unless you respect the authority of the person giving it and you understand it and it's useful to you. I feel like as an art student, you get a lot of teachers who are like, here's advice and here's more advice. And you're like, I like this, but not this and not that. And sometimes students will take anything because you're like sponges and you're, when you, when you are in the atmosphere of learning, you just want to absorb everything. But Sometimes you shouldn't. And I really appreciate him writing that in the beginning of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, like, I think we have a tendency as human beings to put skilled people 
on this like pedestal and mm-hmm. we're just like, oh, we just need to take everything that they say and do it. And it's like, at some point, <laughs> I know for myself, I don't know about how you are with this, but like you get to a point where you're like, I get what they mean there. And yes, in that situation, it's applicable. Mm-hmm. But in my situation, it may not be applicable. And they're still human beings. We're not all perfect. <laughs> right. We all have our tendencies and our, you know, our coping mechanisms and whatever. And it's it's kind of like children with their parents. At first, they think their parents are, like, infall- infallible. And then you get to be, like, 30 and you're like, oh, so this is what my parents were really like. Right. <laughs> oh. oh, these are the things that they don't tell you when you're a kid as to why you don't want to be an adult. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, we're all just human beings trying to do the best that we can. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think Richard does a good job of bridging that gap of like, hey, yes, I teach this to a lot of people mm-hmm. that I'm not perfect. And this may not be the best way for you to do it, but this is how I've learned how to paint. Yeah. Take it, try it, modify it if you need to, you know? It's good. It's good. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I think about some teachers who advice I took without a grain of salt, just because I did it. I didn't know that you didn't have to take all advice given to you, <laughs> even if it felt <laughs> wrong. And I, um, I, I feel like this book is great for any level of painter who is just interested in improving your work, but especially if you are a novice at this and it's, it's it's quite good. Mm. Um, shortly after that sentence of don't take advice from people who you don't like, um, (laughs) is the sentence, uh, many things in painting become clear only after a considerable prior experience. And that takes time when you're Mm. studying painting, he was studying and making painting and still learning uh, painting for 70 years. That's a really long time. That's, that's a lifetime. That's, that's more than a lifetime for some people. And that's like heartening that there's only improvement from here on out from, I don't know, I've been painting professionally for about 10 years now. So I'm like, okay, we have a long ways to go. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite good. So that was that was nice. Is there is there any quotes that you want to read about from this book? Um, because I have like a thousand, oh. and I'll just keep going. Oh, one of the things that hit me it was on page twenty three. Mhm. And I know it's something that I do. Uh, it says also avoid getting involved in what is called licking brushing in the same area over and over while you decide what to do next. Okay. This is more it's technical. Painters, yeah. It's good. It's the, <laughs> it's the painters, painters equivalent of daydreaming. <laughs> and I was like, damn it, Richard. Damn it, really? Richard. <laughs> really? You're going to, you're going to call me out on this. I'm like, leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> I know I made that stroke five times. <laughs> don't, don't be a liquor. Don't do it. So <laughs> when, for those of you who are not artists and you're listening, uh, when you lick a painting, quote unquote, it's basically when you are working the same area of the painting over and over and over and over and over and nothing's really changing except you're just making brush marks and putting paint on and taking it off. And it's just like, you're not focused. You're not like changing anything worthwhile. It's just like insanity. That's what it is. So don't lick the painting with your brush. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous advice. Yeah. Uh Cause like, I think when I first jumped back into painting, I was so nervous mm-hmm. to paint mm-hmm. um, that I was like, okay, I am, I'm just an analytical person to begin with. So I was like, is this the right stroke? Is this the right thing I should be doing? Yeah. Should I do it this direction or that direction? You know? And then I would just sit there and just keep making a stroke until I'm like, okay, what's the next one? And I think what, reading this made me do was actually stop in those moments. If it's okay, I just need to get up and walk away from a painting for mm-hmm. five minutes and come back and go eat a cookie. Do it. Yeah. Like do it. You know, maybe you just need, you know, to clear your head for a few minutes. Um, 
or take a moment, step back and look at it, figure out what the next move is so that you're, again, some of this is efficiency. He's an ala prima painter, paint on the fly. Everything that they do is about efficiency because they're trying to catch light in that moment and light is constantly changing. So they're chasing it. So he's like, he has figured out a extremely efficient way to be able to capture what he needs to capture very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it, that was, that was one that I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to take this to heart. It's going to be tough, but it, it'll be good. And it does, it makes me more mindful. Mm -hmm. I'm not as afraid. I don't think you more uh, confidence. when I paint. Yeah. Um, I, I've just learned to stop in some of those moments, you know, and if it's get up out of the chair, step back, you know, five feet and take a look at the painting and like in a bigger sense, because usually I'm like right on top of it. So it's hard for me to see it as mm -hmm. a whole. So, yeah, it, it definitely makes a big difference. It's good. There's um, there's a, a sentence about confidence in here that I really liked especially when you are coming back to art or you're just starting art and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I'm trying to pay attention to the rules of painting that I've been learning about. But he goes on to say here, it is that we are prepared. Sorry. It is that we are perhaps much more fully equipped for art and many other tasks than we realize. And we got it long ago before we, we began training under a master in art school. You learn you learn the things you need to be an artist just as you learn to be anything else. And you, mm -hmm. you already have the tools you need to become an artist, to become a painter and building your confidence just takes time. And it's, 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 it's a process. It's a process. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's good. Um, hi sleepy. Welcome in. <laughs> Are you ready for a yeah, deep question? Sure, go ahead. Shoot. Why do you paint? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. He has said several times in this book, so we had to ask. Yeah. This may sound cliche, but for me, it's what I know to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I can get better at it. Absolutely. There's constantly things that I'm learning to make myself a, a more well-rounded painter. But... The act of painting is just innately in me. I don't know why, but it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's calming to me. My brain calms down when I paint. Yeah. So it's this, it, it's, it's a restful place for me. Even though, I mean, there's, as being this as a business interjects, like, definitely an element of stress and you know worry and whatever into it to some extent but when i'm literally sitting in front of the canvas and and just painting like that doesn't matter like i don't think about that it's just calm it's just calm so, that's gorgeous yeah, yeah I, I, that's kind of it it just feels like that's where i need to be mm -hmm. i i love that and in this in this book, Schmidt talks about different ways of, you know, wanting to be a painter. You you want to do it because it's your favorite way to communicate. It's your way of like, if you don't paint, you're gonna die. Sort of feeling like if you're not creating. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's people who do it for fame. There's people who do it for paychecks. There's people who do it for. Um, just like a means of survival. There's people who do it as like, oh, this is just a fun hobby. And like, there's different levels of it. I, I feel like in this book, mm. he talks about, you know, when you know your, your why of your doing it, that makes it all the more richer. And so it's, it's fun to hear sure. you say that. It's fun to hear you say that it, it helps you rest. It helps you calm and, <laughs> and focus. It mm -hmm. sounds like. Sure. Sure. Yeah. There I'd go. rather do that than figure out marketing like we were talking about earlier. We were talking about marketing. <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> marketing. Marketing is a vehicle that gets painting sold and I'm fine oh. with it. 
fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. There's... I have another question for you. Um, so in this book, we get... There's a whole section on starting a painting. Starting from... When, when you're trying to do an Alla Prima painting. Sorry, that way, the book. Um, and... Mm. How do you start your paintings? I know you're not an Alla Prima painter, um, but like, mm. what is your process from like getting the paint, the colors out on your palette to you know conceptualizing your your paint your piece to putting the paint on? What is what is that system like? Okay, so my process is a little little different than some people's because mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I will start from a photograph. Um, and then I'll manipulate that photograph. So I come at the piece before I even get to the canvas. I usually have a fully rendered idea of what my piece is going to look like in the yeah. end um, to work from. And that's so, digitally, right? You know, yes, correct. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, you know, I grab my photo. I do my manipulations. Uh, I color correct it because I do have a palette that I've picked out for myself um, of colors that I try to stay within. And I'll adjust the photo to that and, you know, then do my manipulations. And then at that point, um, I will either project an image onto the canvas and sketch out just the bones of that piece. So I have a rough idea of where things are at because I paint in more of a cubistic style. So mm -hmm. everything is broken up. It's a little harder to grid out, mm -hmm. um, but the cubes are kind of their own grid in and of themselves. So I, I have a little wiggle room there. Um, but then once I do that, then I actually do a value study and paint, which I think he kind of starts with his, like his Sienna color. Mm -hmm. that's where he builds that, you know, that value study. And then on top of the value study is where you do your final painting. So you have an idea of light, dark, um, and that, that does like it messes with the color above it. You know, it mixes. So there is some of that that bleeds through. Are you doing um, more of like a block and style start where you are, <clears throat> Um, really just going with one color and totally doing it where you're at like doing mm. an additive to the paint or are you doing like a wash of color and then subtracting it with a rag or whatever to create that value scale it's it's kind of a mix between block in and wash mm -hmm. so um i i will block it it's just one color generally i do more of like a grisaille technique okay is like kind of what Richard does with his Sienna. That's mm -hmm. more of a grisaille technique. It's a darker color. Um, I do the opposite of that, which is eboche as well. I've leaned more towards eboche because it's a lighter color. It doesn't feel as heavy. Mm -hmm. um, I think grisaille pieces are harder to hang in modern homes because a lot of them are just white walls and the colors are very light. Yeah. And you get this really heavy piece and it just doesn't feel at home there. And so that was one of the, th that's one of the things that pushed me to create my own um, color palette was that very reason, like, okay, what kind of space do I want this piece in? How, do, how do I build color harmony with somebody else's work that might be in that space? What are the colors mm -hmm. that are existing in those spaces? Um, I know we've talked about the one painter that, you know, that demands that the wall that the piece be hung on be painted a certain color. I get why he does that. I get it. I get it. Um, because if it's part of the artist's installation of the piece, like I get that, like that's part of what you're paying for for mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. uh, because that wall color does affect, it affects that piece. You know, it, it seems a bit bougie. Yes, I get that. But I understand also why he does it. You yeah. Know? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's. It, I start with either a darker light color palette. Uh, this next piece that I'm working on is a mixture. It's got both in it. There are areas that lend to that lighter um, value study and parts that are darker. So I have areas of both. They've been blocked off. 
Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I, as you play around with it, yeah, I, I block it in. And then once that value study dries, then I actually go in and lay the color in over top of it. What color are you using for your, um, your block and phase? Um, it's like a, a purple, British purple. Purple. Um, yeah. What's it made uh, out of usually? Uh, a lizard and crimson and, uh, I did ultramarine blue this time, hmm. but sometimes it's Prussian blue. Okay. Depending. Cool. So actually maybe it was Prussian blue that I did. Yeah. I think I did do Prussian blue. Um, and I mean, you can get it depending on the tonality of the piece. You can get it. It's, it's based on the blacks in the piece. Yeah. Do the blacks skew more red or do they skew more purple? I see. And you adjust that, that, that base grisaille to that. So nice. this one is more of a, a reddish meaning. That's that's pretty good. That's a I fully understood that system. That's a good one. I um yeah yeah. After reading this book, I so Nomad and I both do abstract art. I've said this before on the podcast, but um and you can see a start that I have here. I I realized that I do more of an alla prima style than I thought I did. I'm hmm. when I paint a canvas, I usually leave it white. Sometimes I'll do a a color in the background, but not very often. I, I tend to dislike paintings more when I have a, a wash on it at first. So um, mm-hmm. usually I start off on the white canvas um, and I don't prime it in anything fancy. This behind me, I've got a uh, gesso board um, that has an a, right. acrylic gesso mm-hmm. wash over it. And um, and I, I very rarely go back over the colors I'm putting down. Like only when I'm in like, that's a mistake. I got to scrape it out and try again. Um, I usually all of my geometric paintings are in the first go. Sometimes they take me two sessions, so it's not classically alla prima here, um, just because I work mm-hmm. in big canvases and it takes a while to get all the paint down. Um, but mm-hmm. it's definitely within like the first, the first stroke, right? It's it's in the I'm not I'm not going back and altering things very much, and I didn't right. think I was like that until I read this book and I was like, oh, this is what I do. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Just. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. I, I think um, it, it's the reason why it takes you longer is the level of precision involved in mm-hmm. triangles or, you know, the squares yes. or whatever you're doing. Um, oh, my gosh. This yeah. painting I'm working on right now, it's gone so much faster than any other painting I've done of the size, which is 30 by 30 inches. And I was like, what is going on? So this new, like, motif that I've got going on has, like, sort of, uh, like blooming effect from the inside outward and I'm not mixing mm-hmm. as many colors normally every triangle right. is a different color but this time I'm like I'll use the same color for like four or five different triangles and mm-hmm. there's nothing quite telling about how much time you spend just mixing color <laughs> than when you start using the oh, same yeah, color yeah. more than once oh my gosh <laughs> like, yeah oh yeah normally this would take me like three sessions to get this far and it took me Two and a half hours, and I'm like, sure. what is this? Anyways, that was fun. That yeah, was you cr- no, you cranked that piece out because I I watched and I was like, all right, we're going fast. Like, she's in a flow. <laughs> we're <going>. And like <laughs> when you said when you said what the painting is about, you can see it. Mm-hmm. You literally can see it in the painting. Then you were like, well, I'm thinking of the blooming, and then you asked the question, red or blue, and mm-hmm. I said both. Because goldfish have Gold. red stripes. They have red stripes. And They're so cute. the blue in the water. I'm like, this is going to be fantastic. I hope so. We'll but see if I will stick the landing. <laughs> dark Prussian blue and like, oh, it's going to be so good. It's, it's going to be, be so good. It's going to be good. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it stays good. Um, right. Okay. Focusing. We're back. We're back to the book. Any, um, what else? <laughs> what else? We're just like, I feel like sometimes you and I are really good at fo- focusing on the book. And sometimes we like take some laps around our own painting <laughs> world, wander. which is good, but it's like, oh yeah, right. We're focused. You said you had some questions about the book. Do you, do you have any of those? Well, or, or observations more so than anything, like okay. looking, looking at Richard's pieces 
I think one thing that really stands out to me is that so he does what we call a violet pass. Mm -hmm. so he will mix up a violet. He will go in and it's very scant. He will do it. He will make strokes inside of the painting that are violet. And your brain doesn't get thrown off by it. Here's because for there watching. is a it's like yeah, right there's here. a yeah. Yeah, so just like something like that. Um the other piece was uh the dolls at the yeah. very beginning, like on page two and three. If you look, they're just the scantest amount of like he has this cobalt that he throws in there and he's got violet. Um, but in the process of the grisade, that violet just jumps. It jumps off the page, but it's not offensive. It feels like it's meant to be there because there is that violet wavelength light. You're like, oh, and it, he has this like, this gauzy effect to his pieces. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you're looking through a prism and he catches these little bits of light, um, especially in his outdoor pieces. You'll see just these slashes of just really, really strong color, like the violet in a, in a painting that is mainly like a terracotta and a green color. He'll slash this violet through there. And you're like, would have never have thought to put that there but it makes perfect sense it's almost like a signature like you see it in yeah the majority of his paintings um yep. i remember noticing this sort of pattern in Corot's work the italian landscape yeah. painter where he would just put like a smidge of crimson just here and there on a hat or something like that richard schmidt's mm -hmm. signature is the violet <laughs> streak that's just mm -hmm. like the hint of it the feathering yeah. of it it's very it's lovely yeah is and it's like because his paintings like they come across as monochrome but then when you look at them up close like holy cow there is a lot of color here they're and dazzling like, as he, yeah like he as he breaks down his process he he does this one that's like i don't know like 10 steps of this um pose that he breaks down and and part of it, he does this wild, like, almost wash or glaze of colors in this one area of white fabric. And you're like, okay, and you see it and it's unremarkable in that phase. You're like, eh, whatever. He comes in with like a titanium white and starts blocking in larger patches where like the folds and stuff are and those colors are where the mm -hmm. folds run and you're like oh my gosh that's freaking brilliant like most people will do a fold in a gray mm -hmm. or you know some form of a gray to get that you know that 3d effect or whatever he does it with color he sees the color in that shadow and he pulls it out and makes it strong but in that process, it's like, I think that's another huge thing that I learned from him was layering. When I read this book, I was like, I really need to focus on how I layer a painting. Um, and it, I think it helps you understand how light actually hits something mm -hmm. and how it's reflected and, um, just the depth of color in everything. How many layers of color and light are there? And learning how to paint that. And how painting is essentially like building that in real life. You know, the paint is the light. And you're like, okay, so there's a very, you know, thin film of this color of light in there somewhere. You know, and it's like, you learn how to to tweak that and build that and that's what gives pieces nuance and it's it, it does it takes time it takes time and understanding and i think it's something that you 
you never really get to, but you build it over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, you get better and better at it. Each piece that you work on, you understand it a little bit better. Um, the way yeah. Richard wields color is so masterful and it's very complex. Mm-hmm. And I, when you, I've never seen one of his paintings in person, but I, I hope to someday, <laughs> someday soon even. Um, it is, the layering is so exceptional. It's like the underpainting and then the, actual painting and then like the highlights of like where he uses like really thick paint and a palette knife and he's just like using the body of the paint to like create that motion and create that highlight with whatever brush or palette knife he's using and it's just it's very masterful and it's not like oh he's amazing and he's masterful but it's like he's just practiced so many damn times that it's just sure (laughs) it's so good it's so good Sure, sure, sure. What I appreciate about this book is that he gives you an introduction on how to get there. Um, If you're like, I feel like my color control is weak. Have you tried making a palette? Okay. Did you see the pages and pages of palettes he had of just like Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to show y'all one of them here. So basically what Homeboy does (laughs) is every time he gets a new color, he makes one of these color charts based on that one color as being the like the primary predominant color and then he'll sure. just look look at these color charts and then he'll just make them and then have them on hand all the time and i'm like i want to make these I, I have like 150 colors in this bag on the floor over here and <laughs> i feel like if i made some of these my color control would be a lot better a lot faster but am i gonna do it anytime soon i don't know but he has like right. dozens of them Color chart 10, color chart 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and I and I think that's kind of like, I think that's where I've gotten, like, of course I have a base palette that I work off of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I'll generally only pick a few colors out of that to work towards. Like, I'll see what the dominant colors are and I'll be like, yeah. okay, let's shift it this way because this is the color that I have in my palette. Like, mm-hmm. oranges are one that I'll, I'll definitely do blues are another one that I really focus on. And, um, yeah. And then after that, it's kind of like, okay, let's build the color. What, what extraneous colors are in this piece that, you know, that we can build a palette around. He mentions a book, um, that if you're interested in reading about, uh, pigments and the way light reacts to different colors, um, different artist colors, not just like, light and prisms and all that, uh, that I think we might need to read for our book club in the future. It's like the artist materials or something like that. It's in the back. Um, and I, I just, I think if you are a painter, an oil painter, but a painter of any kind, really studying the pigments and studying, you know, what pigments get used to what colors and things like that, and really becoming a student of the material you're using is a great place to accelerate your understanding sure. of color. And this this sure. book really encourages that, which is fun. It's it's like a little adventure, right? And and you know and and learning and understanding transparency and mm-hmm. and in those pigments, I think a massive step for any painter once they start to get the concept of that and how again, it, it's like light. How does that lay over top of the color below it? One thing I love about this book in, in its textbook style is that at the end of every chapter, it has a summary of everything that it talks about in the book. So if you need like a quick note, there's usually a 12 to 15 steps of things that he's written down at the end of each chapter, which is extremely helpful. And um, it's just, it's so good. I It also has an index in the back where if you're like, I don't know what to do about uh, composition or can I work from photos and is it a sin or um, how do you feel about <laughs> modern colors? And like, just, it's great. It's great. It's good for like looking up everything. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, what was your favorite part of the book? Oh, wow. Um I honestly think the layering and the color theory stuff was my favorite part of it, to be Mm -hmm. honest. I think that's that's what I took away most from from his stuff. Yeah. I really enjoyed the intense descriptions of how to start. 
think those were exceptional. There was like a hundred pages of just how to start a painting in different ways. Really fantastic. But I think my favorite, favorite part was when he goes into the description of drawing, not as drawing with a pencil, but drawing in a painting and what that means and how to understand how to draw in a, in a, in a piece that you're using painting. It's, it's a little bit interchangeable, but not... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. And I think right. when you're a young painter, especially if you're trying any sort of representational painting, which you should do if you want to be a painter of any kind, you should try that out for sure. Um, learning how to measure, learning how to see proportions, learning alignment, learning balance, mm. learning all that mm. thing through drawing, using paint is fantastic for the young artist. Yeah, so good. Sure. And I think his um, his take on composition as well, mm-hmm. um, I think is important. I think composition is arguably the biggest element in any piece, is learning how to compose a piece. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that part of that is learning from other people, but also just spending the time with it. You know, uh, photography was great for me for that. I learned composition through, you know, composing photos instead of painting at that point, And then I believe it brought that over to painting and it, it makes a huge difference for sure. It's really good. It's really good. And the last great thing about this book that I want to talk about is squinting. Anytime a painter talks about squinting mm-hmm. in a book, I'm like, you know, it's the secret. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the secret to good painting is knowing how to squint or just take off your glasses a little bit. <laughs> and, and that's going to mm-hmm. make your paintings better. Ah, it's so good. Do I need to do another podcast episode on just squinting? I might, I might need to. Yeah, value study. Value study is massive. Absolutely. Love it. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. yeah. So five out of five for me on this book. Just, it's top tier. Oh yeah. I'm keeping it on my shelf forever. I'm going to lend it out to other art people that I know who need it, or I think they need it. (laughs) And... (laughs) And it's, it's really great. And I like to apologize to my friend who told me to read this book in 2016. I'm sorry it took me so long, but we're here now. I did it. Check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it is definitely, if I can recommend one book to a beginner painter, this is the book that I would recommend to them. Yeah. I think um, there are books on, you know, the art business that are really great and books on just mm-hmm. how to be a good painter. And this book isn't pressuring you to sell paintings. It's telling you what you need to know, yeah. what you want to know, which is good. Right. Right. Yeah. Sure. All right. Any last thoughts? Richard was amazing. Mm-hmm. His wife is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we're given the opportunity to have him do this before he passed away. Yeah. Because a lot of times it gets to the point where they're too, too far gone age-wise to be able to really have the energy to do something like this and luckily he did this in his like 50s or 60s I think and then one of his assistants was the one that did Alla Prima too yeah and she kind of added a lot of things into there to you know update the book and whatever but the bones of it were already there but Mm -hmm. you know to have as great of a teacher as he was to have something like this where he's gone so in depth with his process of teaching and, you know, refining and, and learning. Um, it's, it's invaluable because a lot of times we don't get it. We don't, we don't have the opportunity for that. Unfortunately, it's a treasure. So mm -hmm. very good. Well, that was Alla Prima too. Let's, uh, Mm -hmm. let's, reveal the next book which nomad picked this time we're starting off the new year with a new person picking the books i love not picking the books sometimes <laughs> so <laughs> here we go the next book that we're going to read is um called censored art today and it's a little ebook i don't really know anything about this book i'm gonna go in blind i i think i'm not gonna read the summary i'm just gonna like go into it and see i'm assuming it's about hot topics of the art world because that's the subtitle <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know who Gareth Harris is. Um, do you know anything about this book? Um, no, actually, I just um, I mean, short of the synopsis that I read, mm-hmm. um, I just got on and was just looking. You said you wanted a, a shorter 
book to be able to jump into. I did. Uh, for the next one. So I was like, okay, let's see what we can find. Um, and I was like, oh, this is good. It's not, it's not about technique. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily about business, so to speak, but it's a really pertinent art topic. And these books were written at the end of 2022. They were recently released. Fast. Um, I nice. think like December, October or November, December, something like that. Let's go. Um, and there's like six of them. So they cover several different areas of the art world. And this just happens to be the first one. Well, maybe if it's really good, we will read the rest of them. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. uh, I love a book that is has zero reviews on Goodreads because it's so fresh. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Especially when it's out like censorship. <laughs> Last year we read yeah, a book yeah, on yeah, censorship yeah. that was called Takedown. And that was an interesting book, but mm. I, I wanted to go further. So I we'll see where this one takes mm. us. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what it ends up being. <laughs> and that's been Art Book Club. Um, Jennifer, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at visualnomad.art. Um, I'm also here on Twitch under Visual Nomad. Most excellent my name in any of the links or whatever and uh yeah those are the two places you can find me and uh visual nomad underscore underscore on instagram and yeah that's we me. be gramming we're on the instagram it's great okay <laughs> that was dorky <laughs> You can find Brushwork <laughs> Podcast over on Spotify, on Apple, on wherever you find your podcast. It's also at Brushwork Pod on Instagram. And you can find me here if you want to follow us, listen to our book club in the future. It's second Sundays every month on Twitch. And I'm excited to see y'all the next time, which will be in uh, February. So that's going to be good. All right. Yep. Yep. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm going to stop recording now. Bye. <laughs> Bye.